Warriors, this is the Spartan Underground. And now, your host, James 300 Foster. Wow, I feel like we came in a little hot with that intro. It sets a big precedence here for the podcast that I'm going to do my best to live up to. Uh, I want to thank Tony Torres for helping uh, record the voiceover for that, and also Danny Thrasher for the awesome theme music. Um, this is the very first podcast, guys. I'm really excited. I've got my friend uh, Keith Owen on here. He's a third-degree black belt under Master Pedro Sauer. It's an awesome interview with a lot of great takeaways. Uh, the podcast itself doesn't have any official sponsors yet, so I'm open to uh, applications for sponsors. But I would like to take a moment to thank some of my uh, longtime sponsors. Show You Roll, the manufacturers of the best geese on the market. BJJ Library, some of the finest jiu-jitsu instruction online you can come by, uh, featuring Professor Salo Hibero and his brother Shanji Hibero, uh, as well as a lot of guest instructors. Really awesome site. Tape Armor for taping your banged up fingers when you've been doing jiu-jitsu as long as I have. Uh, Kristen's Photo for your photography needs. She does a lot of different jiu-jitsu tournaments all across the U.S. Awesome stuff. Uh, Mission 22, helping end the war on veteran suicide. Noah's Defions, another great organization, uh, helping veterans in our, in our servicemen and women. And the We Defy Foundation, another awesome one that really seeks out to help uh, provide support for our veterans. And uh, I'm really proud to have all of their support. And I really hope you guys enjoy the first podcast. Without further ado... Here is Professor Keith Owen. I'm here with my good friend, the Rhino Keith Owen. How you doing today, Keith? James, I'm fantastic, man. Thanks for having me on your program. Awesome. Uh, I'm honored to have you on here as one of my first guests. And uh, why don't you give everybody a little information about your background, just for those out there who may not know who you are? Okay. Well, uh, James, I've been studying jiu-jitsu for, I don't know, 23, 24 years, uh, a long time. Uh, I'm a third-degree black belt under Professor Pedro Sauer. Actually, it's Master Sauer. Uh, we always call him Professor, but he's a, he's an eighth-degree black belt under Hickson and uh, Elio Gracie. So I'm very proud to be uh, in his lineage. He's a great man, and uh, I've been you know, studying it a long time, so... And this is a great honor to be uh, your first guest. Well, I'm honored to have you here. And uh, what got you into jiu-jitsu? Because I know you've been doing jiu-jitsu for a very long time, but you've also been in martial arts for a long time uh, prior to jiu-jitsu. So kind of what, uh, what made you make that switch to jiu-jitsu? Well, I was a black belt in Kung Fu when I first uh, started hearing about this jiu-jitsu thing. Um, I was reading Black Belt magazine, and uh, there was an article uh, from this uh, Kempo Black Belt who challenged Hoyler Gracie to one of those Gracie challenge matches. And 
uh, I read that and I went, oh, wow, this sounds so awesome. Because at the time, you know, my ground game sucked. And when I was doing uh, Kung Fu, uh, I didn't know anything. But, you know, I was a big fan of pro wrestling and I thought it was a lot of fun uh, ever since I was a kid. And when I was uh, doing sparring with people, uh, I would, uh, when they showed me their back, man, I would wrap my arm around their neck and then take them down. And then I would just automatically put my hooks in it, hooks in there. And, uh, you know, I would make them give up. And I, it got to be so regular that my Kung Fu instructor got pissed at me and told me I couldn't do that anymore. That's and, funny. And so then when I saw uh, this article, I was like, oh, wow, this is my missing piece of my game. You know, I want to do uh, I want to be able to know how to defend myself on the ground. And this was back in like 1993 when I saw this article. And so nothing happened. And this is going to get long-winded, James. I don't mean to, but the story, I think, is really awesome uh, for my development. Uh, I was uh, My job was uh, I sold uh, TV advertising, and I went into this uh, electronic store one day. And I'm in there, and I'm just waiting for the owner. And out of the blue, man, just out of the blue, a dude walks up to me, and he looks at me. He did, I didn't know this guy at all. And he looked at me, and he didn't know me, and he said, hey, have you ever heard of the Gracie's? And since I had heard that article, and he said, Grace, I said, yeah, man, I've heard of him. And he goes, hey, I have this uh, VHS tape with all these fights on it. You want to watch it? And I was like, um, okay. And, you know, since it was an electronic store, we went over to a VCR. I hope, like, some of the listeners know what a VCR is. <laughs> and I went over, and we started watching this. And the Gracies were kicking the crap out of people, man. It was uh, one fight after another and they were putting the choke on that I had was putting on in my Kung Fu class all the time. And I was going, Holy crap, I got to learn this. And it just, it, what it said to me was when you are ready for something, it will make its appearance. And that's what this guy did. And, and so I said, Hey dude, uh, and his name was Dean Heileman. And I said, Hey, if I find out where to train, will you train with me and we'll start working on this? And he said, absolutely, man, I want to learn this. So I started looking around, and I, I can't remember if the internet was even happening at the time. Maybe it was. But I started researching on where to go to be able to learn jiu-jitsu. And what happened was there was only like three places that I could find. There was the uh, Gracie Academy in uh, California. And then there was uh, Henzo, and Greg, Henzo Gracie and Craig Kukuk in New York. And then there was this guy named Pedro Sauer in Utah. And I was like, well, I, you know, I'd much prefer to go to a place that was close. And I live in Idaho. And so uh, Salt Lake City is not very far away from where I was living at the time. So I went down there and, uh, you know, I started taking lessons. And, uh, and that's a funny story, too. And I'm just going to, since I have you held hostage here to, to this interview, no, I'm going to tell you by, uh, just exactly. By all means. I'm going to yeah. tell you ex just exactly how that went. Uh, I, it was so weird. You know, I gave him a call down at Academy, and uh, I found out later on that the Academy was in this just uh, Bolden Levitt Insurance Company. It was in, a, in the back of, of Bolden Levitt Insurance, and it was uh, this room, and they had mats, and they put mats down. And I had called up, and uh, Professor Sauer wasn't in at the time, uh, but there was this other guy there, and he was a brown belt at the time, and his name is Casaca Munoz. And Kazaka uh, Munoz now is like, a, I don't know, a fifth degree black belt or something like that. But he was a brown belt at the time. And he was, I said, hey, I'd like to come down for some private lessons if I could and I'll pay you. 
And he was like, no, I don't have a lot of time. And so I'm on the phone begging him, please just, you know, I'll pay you, pay you money, whatever. And finally he agreed. And I said, oh, thank you very much, man. I totally appreciate that. So then at the agreed upon time, I went to, uh, I went down there, I went to Bull and Levitt and I'm waiting outside, you know, and, and, uh, uh, Professor Munoz is Brazilian, and I, he was on Brazilian time that day, and I, I didn't know. You know, I thought, oh, crud, he's not going to meet me here, and I was almost getting devastated, and then he just dro- drives up, and he says, hey, man, how you doing? And we started talking, and then, uh, you know, he started giving me the private lessons, uh, and and then we started grappling. <laughs> this is the funny part. He's a small guy, too, you know, and, you know, I'm a black belt in kung fu, man. I'm a badass. And, uh, or it, when I look back, I was simply an ass, but <laughs> I thought I was pretty tough, James. Right. And so, uh, he taught me this stuff and, and, uh, I was like, holy crap. Uh, you know, this is so good. And then he said, Hey, you want to, you want to grapple? You want to roll? Uh, uh, okay. You know, and I didn't really know what rolling was. I just thought we were wrestling. So, you know, in my typical form of a new guy, I tried to kick his ass. You know, I thought it was uh, combat time. And, uh, you know, I'm about uh, 230 pounds, 6'4". And so I thought, man, the cool thing about jiu-jitsu is I thought I was kicking his ass. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought, oh, man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm kicking his ass. And then he taps me out with an arm bar. And I was like, whoa, that was was lucky. You got lucky, dude. (laughs) And then I started grappling with him again. And then he puts a choke on me and taps me out. And then he just tapped me out like 97 times in a row. And... Uh, pretty soon, you know, my, I, my ego was humbled. You know, I go, Oh, you know, I was going to cuss just now, but I was like, Holy <laughs> crap. I don't, I don't know anything. And this, this little guy was kicking the crud out of me. And I said, Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm taking this martial art. And so he was real cool, you know, and, and, and I totally appreciate what he did for me. I just started coming down and taking classes. And then I met professor sour and man, the first time I met professor that, I'll tell you, and to this day, he still is the same way. Very uh, charismatic man, big smile, very loving, kind, caring man. And I instantly knew that I wanted to take lessons from this guy. I was like, oh, man, you you are the right fit for me. You're the guy that, that I really want to uh, learn from. So I started uh, you know, taking lessons from him. And so the very first class, and I want to mention this, the very first class I was in, we uh, – you know, learned a lot. I thought, fantastic. And then we started that rolling thing again. And he goes, oh, you know, Keith, go against this girl here. And I can't remember what her name was to this day, but she had a blue belt. And I don't know why he paired me with this girl, but he had his reasons. And so I thought, okay, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go against her. You know, just thinking again, I was thinking I was this badass. And it wasn't more than 10 seconds. And she put me in an arm bar and tapped me out. And, and she must have weighed like 120 pounds, 130 pounds. And she put me in an arm bar. And right then and there, I go, whoa, man, if it can work for a girl, it can certainly work for a big dude like me. Yeah. And so after that, uh, I was relentless, James, about uh, taking class. I was, I was there all the time. And, you know, I kind of lived far away, but I would spend lots of time in Salt Lake going to class. And, and uh, you know, and it was on from there. And, you know, I saw Hoist Gracie. Uh, fight in his first, uh, or I guess it was the second one. I don't know, first or second one. 
and uh, UFC is what I'm saying. And, oh, man, when he put Dan Severn in a triangle, I just knew that, man, this stuff, if this little guy could beat up this big guy, this, this is something awesome. And so, uh, man, I was hooked ever since, and I have not quit to this day. In all these years, I've gone to jiu-jitsu, and I have gotten the crap kicked out of me so many times, I can't believe it. And uh, Professor was the greatest uh, in person to be teaching me because he taught me that it's not about size and it's not about strength. It's about the technique. And ever since then, I have um, searched for the proper technique so that I could emulate that girl that tapped me out, you know, that small small framed person who could beat up on a big person, you know, and, and to a certain extent, Kazaka Munoz as well, when, when he did that, I knew that I'm so glad they tapped me out because then I learned a valuable lesson that it wasn't really about being big, although being big helps, as you know, right. but, uh, the technique is what we're after. Well, so that's how I got my start. I was yeah, going to say it's, it's just uh, been a definitely an, definitely an eye-opening experience. Yeah, it's an eye-opening experience. Absolutely. And then I went back to my Kung Fu instructor and started showing him some stuff. And he um, he really liked it. You know, he I was thinking he was going to poo-poo it. But, you know, I think it was something that he liked, too, you know. And uh, um, and for one reason or another, uh, you know, not for my choosing or anything like that, he quit teaching. And so um, I just got the Gracie tapes, too, and started working those. And, you know, they had those VHS cassette tapes uh, yeah. from the Gracie Academy with Horion Gracie and Hoist doing their stuff, too, and after he started winning. And, and then Craig Kuka, some, some VHS tapes, and I started working those along with what I learned at, uh, at Professor Sowers. And, and that gave me – and, man, I want to say this, too, James. I was beating the crud out of all of my – you know, all the people that I was grappling with, you know, I – and uh, I thought I was really good again, and that's a big mistake because you're never really that good <laughs> until yeah. you come uh, come along. And it was so new, jujitsu. I was teaching um, Dean, and and you know, God bless him. Dean went on to get his black belt through Professor Sauer as well, and uh, he died of cancer. Uh, uh, I don't know about ten years ago, uh, and uh, you know, he was a great example. He, that dude trained even when he had cancer, so it was really a a cool thing to see that this dude that, that met me at Mel Qualley's Electronics in Twin Falls, Idaho, uh, to go on and get a black belt before he passed away. And so um, uh, I, I felt it was uh, the right time, man. I destined to to do jiu-jitsu. Yeah, and, that's uh, really amazing. Uh, it's such a thing where I always tell people I don't believe there are any coincidences, you know, that you ended up in that place and he had that tape and kind of helped set you on that path to your jiu-jitsu journey is pretty cool. It was ridiculous. It should never have happened, but yet it was. So now I'm always understanding that when 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 you are ready, something will come into your life that will help you. And, uh, you know, people will call it, I don't know, the secret, if you've ever heard of that. Right, where, yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm a big proponent of that. I really believe it. And then, then guess what? All through my life of jiu-jitsu now, uh, people like yourself, other people have come into my life to help me out and, and, uh, you know, make my journey a lot better. And hopefully, uh, they, I've entered somebody's life to help them, uh, to become better. But I'm just so excited about jujitsu, as you can probably tell in my voice. It's just a, a fantastic martial art. I only have one regret though, James. What's that? My regret, my regret, and I was, was that I started when I was 24. I wish that I had started when I was eight years old or something like that. And I look at guys today who are starting as young, young men and women, 
And boy, they just have a leg up on everything because they got to start it a lot sooner than I did. And, and uh, so I wish I could go back in time and, you know, maybe go to Brazil or something like that. But hey, you know, it happens for a reason. And exactly. That's cool with me. So I understand a couple exciting things have happened here recently. Uh, you uh, received your third degree promotion not too long ago. Yeah, just like you, I'm a professor now, man. Can you believe that? That is awesome. Holy moly! I'm watching these. I'm watching these videos, going, "Oh, I can't wait until I'm a black belt, just like Hoist Gracie." And now I'm a professor in jujitsu. It's been, uh, uh, you know, other than my wife and my kid, it's one of the finest accomplishments that, uh, you know, finest things that have happened in my life. So now, um, under uh, Professor Sowers Association, you have to receive a, a third degree in order to be considered a professor, correct? Yes, in a lot of uh, associations, it's second degree, but uh, Professor Professor Sauer, or Master Sauer, excuse me, I've interchanged those. Uh, it's third degree, so uh, uh, you know, boy, it's a long haul in the Pedro Sauer Association. But it's great because uh, all of I, I'm going to say this: I, I have never met a Pedro Sauer black belt that wasn't super detailed and a master in a, in at least teaching jujitsu um, and grappling too. I mean, but for the most part, what we represent in the Pedro Sauer Association is awesome instruction, and that comes down from professor as well because we want to make jujitsu is a serious thing, James, as you know. Definitely, it's it's not to be trifled with and it's not to be taken lightly and it's not to be taught lightly. It is a wonderful, beautiful thing that we have to do as we have to go and give as much as we possibly can to give that knowledge to our students and and make them masters as well. Definitely. It's like I say, uh, you know, there's no shortage of mediocre jujitsu schools out there. So we have to be the ones who try to keep it strong and, and as close to the source as possible and keep that high standard going. Absolutely. And, and that's what I told my students. Uh, you know, I say, hey, you know, we, we, when I'm long gone and you're teaching jujitsu, I want you to keep the, fundam the ideals and the fundamentals of Professor Sauer, of Hicks and Gracie, and most importantly, of Grandmaster Elio Gracie and Grandmaster Carlos Gracie as well. Uh, you know, there's a huge division in those two, but in the two camps, so to speak. But, uh, you know, they had high levels of jujitsu and they totally cared. And uh, that's by God, that's what I'm going to do, too, or giving it giving the best instruction I possibly can to my students. That's awesome. Uh, and along the same lines of uh, talking about promotions, I understand you just promoted your first three black belts. Yeah, it. This is another thing that's been amazing to me is that yesterday I promoted my first black belts, uh, three of them, uh, Trent Long, Matt Owen, and his son Dylan Owen. Uh, and these guys are, uh, I think, man, I learn stuff from them all the time. And uh, they've gone on, you know, I'm primarily known as a self-defense instructor. Well, my, my black belts have gone on and, and just killed it in tournaments, man. They go to tournaments too and just, they, man, like Matt Owens like a five-time Grappler's Quest champion. He's just, and, and you know, uh, Trent, uh, you know, and I think everybody will say this at my school, Trent Long is uh, my best student that I have, and, and that guy is a freaking killer. 
and uh, he's won lots of stuff too. And if, if you look on my wall, they gave me all their medals. That was nice of them. They gave me all their medals to put up, and I've got all these medals on my wall, and they belong to three people. <laughs> uh-huh. and, it's, and it's just a ton of them. And they've, uh, you know, so I'm very proud of that fact that we can do self defense as well as tournaments as well and, and succeed at them. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I understand that you just uh, relaunched your BJJMoves.com website. Could you, uh, yes. Maybe, uh, you tell us a little bit about that and uh, kind of the direction that's going in. Well, at the risk of having a shameless plug right now. Um, oh, go, go for it. <laughs> I really, uh, I, I was big into the download video uh, thing for a long time, and then I kind of moved away from that. And I decided, you know what? Uh, I'd like to relaunch BJJ Moves. That was my personal website. And I decided that I wanted to relaunch that. And the reason that I did was first to make some money, of course. You know, uh, they say that uh, money is like blood. It's it's not the reason for life, but without it, life cannot exist. That's never been that's never been far from my mind. So I got to make a living. But my whole focus in BJJ Moves is to um, get black belts who want to be known or who might want to do more seminars uh, into the public eye. You know, it's really hard. I, you tell me, James, I think it's really hard to get well known in jujitsu anymore. There are so many black belts out there. There are so many sites uh, and there's so much social media that a lot of times it's hard for really, really good black belts to become known and get your name out there. And I was like, you know what? I want to make this site for uh, you know, famous guys too, but regular dudes, regular black belts who have something to offer regular students to become better at jujitsu, and uh, so that's what I've done. And uh, and I appreciate you being on BJJ Moves too. You know, the first person I thought of to be on BJJ Moves was you. I said, oh man, I'm going to have James Foster on there because you know I you're my friend first of all, but secondly, you have great jujitsu, and I really admire your instructor Jiva. And so I said, oh, I got to have uh, I got to have James on there as well. Uh, even though you know you're a very well-known guy, uh, you know it's a you set a good example, and and I only I'm only putting people on there who I feel set a good example. You know, if you're somebody that uh, I just don't think has good character, uh, I might probably not going to put you on there. Um, well, so character means a lot to me. That's awesome because that goes back to what we talked about. It's just another aspect of keeping that standard high in the jiu-jitsu community. Keeping that standard high, and there are a lot. I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings by this, but there are a lot of people out there in the jiu-jitsu world who are a bunch of scumbags, and they're dishonest, and they're not. They're they don't set a good example. And uh, I, I understand, you know, uh, tapping people out is important, and being tough is important. I absolutely agree with that. But you know what? Having a good attitude and and setting a good example uh, is the other half of that component, because you're going to have lots of students in. We don't want you to be, I personally don't want you to be an instructor that sets a bad example where you can steal from people or hurt other people. Or And you know a lot of examples uh, of instructors who might not be the best as, as far as their uh, attitude and, their, uh, and, and what they preach to their students. Yeah, definitely. It's not, uh, our sport's not immune to it, just like anything else. And uh, But I think that's really good that you've sought out people uh, even if they aren't maybe the biggest name and, and given that that spotlight on your site because it's going to allow people to see uh, some really quality quality jiu-jitsu 
and maybe from somebody that they hadn't really heard of before. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, and, and I really think that jujitsu. there's so many instructors out there with so many neat tricks and tips that, uh, especially that I've seen in these videos that uh, are now on BJJ Moves that, uh, man, it's just exciting to be to learn. Uh, let me take a moment, though. I want to congratulate you on your world championship, too. Oh, I want to just say you. that publicly, dude. Uh, that was a huge accomplishment, uh, being a world master's champion. So, uh, you know, uh, congratulations, man. Uh, I'm well, kind of jealous, <laughs> but well, I'm I, very happy for you, actually. I appreciate it, man. That means a lot coming from you, and it, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of... A lot of hard work, but definitely worth it. Now I just got to get myself back in shape because I've been, you know, cheating on the diet a little bit ever since. It's too much celebration. Too many Doritos, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, it's just BJJMoves.com is where people can yep. go to check out the site, right? You bet. BJJMoves.com. And, and what we're going to be doing, too, is uh, I'm adding not just videos – but I'm going to be adding pictures because uh, in my heart I went, you know what? I want to teach the brand new guys, the white belts, how to have good techniques. So we're, we're doing pictures and we're putting um, you know captions on them too so they understand positions and everything so that the brand new guys can at least go there and uh, you know get a base. And then if they want to buy videos, fantastic, but uh, offer them something else that they don't have to pay for, but they can just go and, and – uh, you know, get their game better because that that's important. And a lot of people don't have black belts like you, you know, who are teaching class, man. This jujitsu in the 20 years is still brand new. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in Kansas or Nebraska somewhere that might not have an instructor. And I think this will help. Now, uh, you do a lot of seminars traveling all across the U.S. and abroad. Uh, do you have any big plans for 2016 for, with uh, seminars? Are you already getting booked up? Man, I am getting pretty booked up. I still have lots of room, though. I mean, if people wanted to bring me out for a seminar, uh, I have a uh, I have a Team Rhino Association called started uh, started this in January, and uh, I offer free affiliation to people. And man, I cannot believe how fast that took off. I ha I now have twenty affiliates, and these guys uh, are awesome people. You know, that's one of the first things that it takes to get into the Team Rhino Association, just because it's free. Uh, I didn't want to the, – the idea that I had – and this might be a bad idea, but I, I don't care. The idea that I had is that there are a lot of people out there that want to start a school or want to get bigger, uh, and maybe they can't afford a lot of the affiliation fees that a lot of these associations uh, have now. You know, Some people charge $200, $300 a month for affiliation dues, and I thought to myself, you know what? I don't want to do that. I want to – I want to make it easy to get in. The only thing that I really ask people to do is bring me out for a seminar, but also you have to be of good character too. And I do background checks on people, and I, I, uh, you know, I get a ref I guess I don't know referrals. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but I hey, Re give me some numbers of people. Get some references to check in. References, on. you bet. And I'll call people up. I've I've done a lot of phone calling about people, you know, because I don't want uh, I don't want people who are you know want to take advantage or who are lying or making stuff up about what they've done in their life uh you know because we want team rhino to you know set an example and lead the way and man james i've gotten 20 affiliates in one year and um so i'm kind of booked as far as seminars go they're going to be bringing me out and, and i've gone to done a lot of seminars as you do too and it's uh 
it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, I hate okay. flying though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tra traveling, yeah. It's a, if we could get the teleportation thing down, we would be good, right? I was just joking about that the other day. So, man, I can't wait till teleportation happens where I can just teleport somewhere and not have to get on an airplane and deal with all the crap that you have to. So Definitely. Uh, how can people book you if they wanted to bring you out for a seminar? Well, they, you know, they can look me up on Facebook uh, if they want to, uh, you know, and I really didn't come on here to, you know, say, hey, book me for a seminar. But if you want to, it's Keith, Keith R. Owen at Yahoo.com. Keith R. Owen at Yahoo.com. And, uh, you know, look me up if you want to. And, and what I bring into my seminars and what I like to do is I guess what I want to be known for is not the latest, greatest moves that there are. And I am I, – I have no problem with the Barambolo or uh, – X guard or anything like that. I know that I practice it. I show my black belts. I'm into that. And that kind of goes against a lot of what self-defense guys do, but I love jujitsu and it's total. And I, I want it. Uh, I want to know everything about jujitsu. And, uh, but what I bring when I go to seminars and what I see is, you know, the average person doesn't want to learn the Baron Bolo. They want to know how to get out of side control bottom and what's the best way, you know, they're still on, on, I, I see the great majority of people are still in, in that era of, hey, how do I get out of this? And uh, I bring little details on, on making it easy to get out of side control bottom, get, getting out of mount. And uh, I, all the time, James, I, I, as well as you, I'm sure, get e emails and Facebook messages from people going, hey, I used what you showed me at that seminar and it's been working great. In fact, just about, I don't know, 30 minutes ago, I got a I got a Facebook message from a black belt who who went to one of my seminars and he he was like, man, I can't believe how easy that move is that you showed. And, and that's exactly what I tried to bring uh, on the line of like a Henry Aikens kind of uh, jujitsu, you know, where he shows the easiest ways uh, along with the Pedro Sauer, really. Right. I mean, it's Pedro Sauer jujitsu. It's like, hey, man, let's make this easy and not have 57,000 moves that it takes to get out of something, man. If, it, if it's not one or two moves... Uh, I don't teach it, man. I, I want it to be easy. And uh, I, that doesn't require a lot of athletic ability because one day we're going to be 70, 80, 90 years old and we're not going to have that same athletic ability. So we want to be able to, I always, I, I liken it to, you know, in the old Western where the the guys are riding along and all of a sudden they come to a place where there's two cliffs, you know, and they got to go through the, the pass, so to speak. And all you got to do is wait up at the top of the pass to get these guys rather than, you know, go out and get them. You know, you, they come to you and you trick them into it and make it easy. And that's what we want to do in jiu-jitsu is make it super easy uh, to defend ourselves, first of all, but then go for a submission and, and not make it where you have to do 900 moves. I have no problem with moves that are super long, but, man, when you're, when you're fighting somebody of your equal caliber – you only have time in your mind to do one or two simple moves. You have, you know, they're just not going to let you do 15 different uh, things to get into place uh, for your success. You know, they're not out to help you. So got to make it easy. Exactly. Um, mentioned something earlier about self-defense and then uh, more sport-based techniques. Um, mm -hmm. Would you agree that Probably instead of putting labels to things, we should all be trying to 
much of the training and everything that works versus uh, getting into this labeling and, and saying you should do one or the other. I, I think you have the same philosophy as me on that as far as uh, we should be doing the stuff that works and not uh, closing ourselves off to, to other opinions and other techniques and things. It, isn't that interesting how we see this in, in jiu-jitsu? Uh, like I said before, you know, and, and I'm just going to be straight up, and I feel like a lot of times I'm not liked by a lot of people in the self-defense community, and I'm not liked by a lot of people in the tournament community because they've labeled themselves this. Oh, I could never do self-defense. That self-defense stuff sucks, and I don't want to do it. Or the self-defense guys are like, oh, I, we, the, you know, the Barambolo is, 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 you know, not, not what we want to do in self-defense. And and they label themselves, you know, and then we get 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, which I love 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. I've stolen so many awesome moves from 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, and it's so funny because if I, I go to, like, a self-defense guy possibly and, and say something, and I would say, oh, t this is from 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, I, yeah, that's, I don't want to see that, you know. Uh, and then, but if I'll just go teach the move, I'll go, hey, well, check this out, and then you just do this and you do this. And he goes, oh, wow, that was fantastic. And then I go, yeah, I stole that from 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. And a lot of times we always think a 10th planet is, oh, you have to be really flexible and things. But, and that's true. But they have a lot of little detail, cool moves that keep people in place. And it's really neat. You just take what you need from that. You just take what you, I mean, it's like, it's like, hey, this is some food. Take some, right? You don't have to have it all. But it's really cool because when, uh, when you show them those little moves and then tell them where you got it, then they're like, oh, wow. You know, it opens up their mind. And I'm not... You know, I'm not a 10th planet practitioner, and I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with everything they say. However, I take what I need, and I take what I need from lots of different sport guys and a lot of self-defense guys, because I'm thinking about the students. I just want to make it easy for my students and other students to be able to grapple, not having to use strength and not having to use natural athletic ability. Uh, I want them to do the easy move. That, that they're going to use to succeed. And, and quite frankly, James, I do not give a rat's ass where I get it from. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, made me, I don't know, I, at least in my mind, we always think that, you know, people give a crap with, you know, about you. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of have taken some heat from that. Uh, but I always keep in mind one thing, you know, they say, they say when you're a young man, you do not care what anybody, or when you're a young man, you really care what others think, and you're trying to be like everybody else, right? And then when you get middle-aged, you don't give a crap what other people think. And then when you get to be an old man, you realize that nobody was thinking about you anyway. Right. <laughs> and so I keep, that, I keep that in mind, that, you know, we always in our mind go, oh, people, there's some people that hate me. Yeah, it's not really true. But if you, if you don't like me, or you don't like the jiu-jitsu I do, just understand that what, what I'm trying to do is make it simple that you can do it in a tournament, you can do it in self-defense, you can do it wherever, uh, so that the average white belt and the blue belt and purple belt uh, can can succeed at jiu-jitsu and not quit. Wouldn't you uh, agree that a lot of the labeling comes just from uh, a marketing perspective of they're trying to say, you know, oh, my my way is the best way? Uh, as opposed to having that open mind and, and uh, encouraging people to train in everything that works? Absolutely. You know, um, 
before I got into jujitsu, I was taking, uh, I have two other black belts, one in Kung Fu and then one, another one in Gong Fu uh, under um, my instructor, Joe Cowles. And uh, Sifu Cowles was a student of the late Bruce Lee. And it was, it's really cool because I got to train with what Bruce Lee showed uh, Joseph Cowles. And Joe was kind enough to show me. And he was always preaching. Uh, Bruce Lee was always preaching to Joe, take what works and throw away what doesn't for yourself personally, all right? So for yourself personally, what works for me and what works for you, James, because we're big dudes, might not work for a smaller person. So you have to, so when I teach, I always, I don't teach as if like, you need to listen to everything I say. I teach in suggestions. And if this suggestion works for you and you take it, it'll, uh, and it works out for you, fantastic. If it doesn't, you go, oh, I don't like that. Okay, that's fine. But I find nine times out of ten that if you'll do what I tell you to do, because I'm coming from a student perspective and not trying to sell my position in things, that things will work out for everybody, whether you're big or small. It's just it works. And, and anything that's hard, I just I disregard. I take it away. I don't know too too hard. I got to have simple, and the simple things are what works. And you're exactly right, man. People, we just have I don't know tribes. I guess we call it or. People have teams, and if you're not on my team, you suck. Right. And uh, and and that's that's a very sad thing, and it's, it's so pervasive in jujitsu, man. The the instructor doesn't want to lose students, and doesn't want to s- show his students that there are other people out there with great ideas. And my students come in, and we, well, let me say this, and I don't mean to just go on and on, but. With YouTube, man, you could. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can go watch videos. I mean, you can watch it on anything you want, man. Uh, uh, you can see anybody that you that you want to see. And what happens is the instructor now. And back in the day, the instructor was like, "Ah, oh, I have to- He has total control over everything and everything he shows because there was nowhere else to get that knowledge. Well, now you can just watch YouTube, pick up some stuff, and put it in your game if you want to. And the annoying thing, I think, for a lot of instructors is that you'll have guys, you'll have your students come in and they're doing something that you never taught. Well, it's because they just picked it up off of a Ryan Hall video or something like that. And uh, I want to say Ryan Hall's awesome. And you pick up a lot of good moves from that dude. But as an instructor, you you can't stop that. You just So what, what I try to do is I try to say, hey, you want to bring moves in, you know, maybe we can make them better or I can learn something. And because I've had plenty of students show me stuff that I didn't know and I, I go take it and I go, oh, that's nice. Um, one of my brown belts just like three or four days ago goes, Mr. Keith, I want to show you this, how to get rid of grabbing your sleeve, a really cool way to do it. And he showed me it and it blew my mind. Oh, I was like, oh, I can't believe I didn't know that. And so I took it, and now I, I, I joked with him. I go, man, when I show this at the seminar, people are going to go, wow, Keith Owen is the greatest instructor ever because he had this, <laughs> such a cool move. Well, you know, I wasn't born that way, and no, none of these black belts were born that way knowing everything about jiu-jitsu. And I love how they pretend like if you don't aren't learning it from us and what, exactly what we teach, it sucks and you shouldn't do it. That's, that's not true at all. You know, they're learning all the time. They just want to protect their egos. And they're trying to minimize the influence of other people. And that shouldn't be, man. It's too late. The cat's out of the bag, man. You should, uh, you as an instructor should foster, excuse the, I'm not trying to be pun here. You I should like foster it. the, the, uh, the attitude that, hey, we're all trying to learn. Uh, 
And my students, I, I, I don't look at them as you are my student and I'll tell you exactly. I, I'm trying to create, I like to call it mad scientists in jiu-jitsu who are experimenting and trying new moves and trying things that work for them. And I don't see that an awful lot. And, and, and that's sad, but I don't care because uh, I just want my guys to be awesome and know that they can add anything to their game that they want to. And you know what? Professor Sauer has been awesome at that. He's been the, he's, you know, he's been totally supportive of, of everything that I do. And, and it's really cool because he's helped me to grow and to become a better jiu-jitsu instructor. But every time I go to a Prager Sauer seminar, man, he just shows some simple, easy stuff that, that just, again, blows my mind. And I go, wow, I, I can't believe that. It's like, for me personally, it's almost like, wow, I don't need another instructor if I have Professor Sauer close by me, because this guy just knows, and, and uh, you know, he wasn't born that way. He he comes up with moves all the time. You know, he's inventing stuff, and, and, oh, yeah. and that's he's, the cool thing. He's amazing, and I, I think a lot of that comes from uh, having that openness and, and not trying to carry that mystique. Uh, I call it the black belt mystique. A lot of the instructors want to appear to their students as if they are invulnerable or they know everything and they kind of close themselves off to that knowledge and uh, really limit their overall growth in jiu-jitsu. And it's real sad and then I'll have I'll have students from other associations who go oh, I didn't know that you know just a simple kind of move you know and and it's uh, it's nothing against them it's just man let you know, let people let people create and, and, and learn, and it will make jiu-jitsu grow better. Jiu-jitsu is so cool. <laughs> it, right. So much growth. I, uh, I talk to my students about that in regard to uh, instructors rolling with their students and, and how they approach rolling with them. You know, I, I've only trained with my students the, I would say, over 99.8% of the time in my uh, time as an instructor and my time as an, a uh, black belt. It's not like I've done all training camps and brought people in to get me ready for tournaments. I've just been, you know, training with my guys that I always train with, but I, I posed it to them. I said, you know, how, how can I go and win this championship just training with my students and not bringing in, uh, these world-class guys? And I explained to them about how I, I put myself in bad spots and, uh, you know, make myself work, and I don't, I don't need to always tap them. I, I don't need to always keep them from tapping me because uh, we both become better if we have that approach to training and learning to where we're trying things and putting ourselves in bad spots. So I know you talk a lot about that and uh, how you approach rolling uh, and also uh, how you tell people to approach uh training with a child's mind which i thought was really mm -hmm. cool being open to the knowledge yeah uh i i enjoy rolling with you james just to be honest we we've, we've grappled a, a a few times and man you're a huge dude and and uh, i thought i was a huge dude but it really um it really puts me on my de defense, and thank God that I've worked on my defense. Otherwise, I would be getting tapped all over the place. And what we see in jiu-jitsu a lot of times is about the submission is the important thing, submitting people, right? And they'll talk about that, and you'll go to – if you just visit schools, and, and everybody is always submission-focused. And 
I don't think that should be it. Now, submission is the key. I mean, we want to submit people. Don't get me wrong. Right. That, that's the that's the goal. All right. However, it's if you just like in basketball, if your defense sucks, you you could score lots of points, and it's not really going to matter. Your goal is, I personally believe, for everybody from white belt on, that your defense needs to be really solid. You need to be able to protect yourself. And if you disagree with me. It is okay because one day, if you if you make it that far to 70 years old, you'll be having these aggressive 21-year-olds who are trying to take your head off. And if you've never practiced, uh, you know, uh, your defense as well, if your defense isn't as good, you're going to find that these dudes are tapping you out. And I got to tell you, that can be quit. That can be pretty embarrassing and very hard on an ego of a black belt who's been training for numerous years but has just gotten older. And maybe they've lost a step. And jujitsu is a lifetime commitment. It's not just for when you're 25 or 30 or when you're in your prime. It's for your entire life. You know, Elio Gracie wrestled or grappled, I should say, uh, when he was 90 years old. Was he as good as when he was in his 30s or 20s? No, no. But you know what? That defense is super important. And if you if you don't practice with a child's mind, and this is what I try to try to tell people. You need to go into jujitsu not going, I am going to kill you. I'm going to run. Uh, and you can do that. I mean, every once in a while, you know, once a week, go in there and go, I'm tapping everybody out. That's fantastic. But if you do that every single time, James, first thing that's going to happen is you're going to get injured. You're going to bust a knee. You're going to bust a shoulder because you are having an Abu Dhabi death match every single day and you are not going to make it till you're 70. So learning the right time to attack. Is, is I think the important thing. Well, how do you do that? Well, you need to go in with a child's mind. And, and what do I mean by that? Is that children, their ego isn't as big as adults. You know, adults, adult men especially can't, can't lose. They have this attitude, well, if I lose, I'm somehow less of a person. But, it, but I, in my kids' class, I watch them and they're just having a great time. They get submitted, they smile, they keep going and they start over again. And that's the attitude that you need to have is that I'm here to play and have a good time. And you should spend a good quality of your time training putting yourself in bad spots, especially at purple belt and above. And you, we could talk about blue belt and all of that. They're, they might not just listen, but you know what? When you get to be a purple belt, your defense better be pretty good. I mean, it really is because you're going to be going against higher brown belts and things like that. And you need to be able to defend first. But you also need to find the right time to attack because most people go on, and Americans especially are bad at that, James. We go... Uh, right attack 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 that's it and then when you're uh getting tuned up you just don't know what to do you see that in mma all the time where uh, not so much anymore but i don't know five ten years ago guys would get mounted on an mma and then they couldn't get the guy off of them and i was like well, man you can't you can't get a dude off of you it's funny you uh, I, mentioned that because did you see the the fights uh was that last weekend or weekend before last with uh Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold. Uh, yes, I did. So I mean, yes, I did. Granted and, that it, uh, granted that Rockhold's very good on the ground, but Weidman's also supposed to be good. And kind of when he was on his back, he looked a little bit like a, a fish out of water. There, I'm sure there were maybe other factors. You know, he was hurt from the punches, which changes things a lot. But yeah. kind of didn't even try to to bridge or anything from there. 
Yeah, and, and I'm not going to criticize anybody specifically. I'm just saying that a lot of MMA fighters, and I'm just going to pick on MMA, but this could be jiu-jitsu too, that they – why spend so much time on defense when I need to spend time on offense to get people? And that that is what people will disagree with me on. We need to spend time in defense. Well, that's fantastic, but let them try to take on James Foster, who might be just a little bit bigger than them with awesome technique. They're going to find themselves on the bottom of that whole mess – and trying to defend themselves, and if their defense isn't up to par, man, they're going to find themselves into trouble. So uh, I- I'm not saying that defense isn't imp- or offense isn't important, but there's a right time. You know, protect yourself, and when you see your opportunity, then you go on the attack. But what and this was me up until purple belt. I'm going to tell you what, just from a big guy's perspective, what I was all about from white to purple. And uh, granted, at the time, you know, there wasn't a lot of jujitsu out there, and, but I had it in my mind. And Professor, sat, this is not his fault because he would tell me, oh, be more defensive. Yeah, whatever, Professor. Great. Uh-huh. I'm going to go out there and I'm kicking the crap out of people. And what would happen was when we slapped hands and started going, I would try to push you down and get on top of you. That was my goal right off the bat. There was never any of this guard crap. I wasn't doing any of that. I was mere, I would jump on you. And I'd end up in the guard, and I became really awesome at passing the guard. And then I would get side control, and then I would do my tired, crappy Americana uh, offense that I was doing because I didn't want to let the guy go. And I would never really try to attack an armbar so much because I was always afraid that if I attacked the armbar and it didn't work, I would end up on the bottom. Right. And it was it was seriously – I'm just speaking for me. I know nobody else out there has that problem, but I was speaking for me that – I would, I would not go for that armbar because I was so afraid that if I ended up on the bottom, it was just so hard to get back to the original on top. You know, yeah, I could armbar somebody from the guard. No way. And it finally dawned on me that I was a one-dimensional jiu-jitsu fighter. I was one-dimensional. I, I did the same old tired crap all the time. And what happens is uh, <clears throat> Professor always says that jiu-jitsu happens on the bottom. When you're on the bottom in the guard, working your guard, that's when you really know jiu-jitsu and where you get that hip movement going really well, that when you're on the top, you really have a well-defined hip movement so that you can attack the top. And I started, I went, okay, I'm going to be on the bottom now. And from that point on, I am always on the bottom. I always, people are always like, think I'm making fun of them because I'll just fall over and let you get on top of me. And they, they think I'm insulting them. But I always tell people, James, that the lucky guy is on the bottom. If you're on the bottom, that is where you're going to get the most benefit. And if I could sweep you or choke you out or do something from the bottom, great. But everything, for me personally, happens on the bottom game because I want my bottom game to be good because uh, I'll tell you, man, uh, having guys on top of you can lead to claustrophobia and not being able to deal with that. You just want to quit. And now it's like, ah, crush me down. It's okay. I've been through this 9,000 times. And I don't have that fear anymore of anything like that. And my bottom game has gotten pretty good. And I want to say I'm constantly uh, evaluating myself in jiu-jitsu, even at my advanced age of 46. How can I get better? And, you know, the other day I said, you know what? My guard game has gotten a little stale. I need to, uh, I need to improve that. Uh, my side control game, side control bottom, I like it. I, pretty, I feel pretty comfortable with that, at least for the fact of not getting caught by anybody. But my guard game needs to be improved. On it. So th- therefore, I am going to be working my guard game a lot more to get it back to where it once was. Uh, but uh, we big guys will be like, yeah, whatever. I'll, 
I'll, I'll do the bottom game some other time. I just want to win. And when you have that attitude in training that you just want to win, you're going to try to get on top and do that tired old crap. And out on the street, yeah, get on top. In MMA, you bet, get on top. But when you're in the when you're in the the academy, you should be having that, like I said, that child's mind and working your bottom game and having a good time and playing. And you will be so surprised, and you know this, so so happy that you're able to kick people's ass without really trying. You know, that is the coolest thing in jiu-jitsu that you're, people are looking at you go, holy man, how did you do that to me? You know, And uh, I have no ego when it comes to getting submitted, man. People, if you're going to submit me, okay. But I put myself in bad spots. I've, I can't believe how many times I have put myself in an arm bar, in somebody's arm bar, just so I can work out of it. Oh, and sometimes I get caught, man. Yep, I get caught. Here. And I don't care. I don't, you know, Keith Owens sucks, man. I rolled with him and, you know, God, he sucks. I, oh, that's fine. I don't care what you say about me. I know I'm just trying to work my game better against various people. And, man, I've rolled with lots of black belts, lots of brown belts. And and uh, <clears throat> I love putting myself in bad spots with those guys just to see if I can get out. And it, it's cool because they have a hard time getting me, man. I, th- I think it's funny that a lot of times um, their ego won't allow them or, you know, people's egos won't allow them to put themselves in those bad spots. And on the other side of the the coin, their their ego gets insulted if you put yourself in there. And they're like, hey, come on, man. Like, I, I'm not that bad. Why are, you, why are you just laying down and let me get you inside control? <laughs> and it's because we just want to go there and work. But they actually, uh, right. sometimes they legitimately get upset. I've had a couple uh, visitors from out of town before and, you know, maybe a brown or a black belt, and I just let the guy get me in side control so I could work my escapes, and he was, like, really offended about it, and I, I thought that was kind of funny. I, I completely agree, and, you know, maybe it's that we're, you know, we're professors now, and we see the real truth, you know, and we don't have any, we don't have to prove anything, and we don't have that ego, and we know that we're getting older, uh, but it's still pervasive in, in, uh, in jiu-jitsu that it's all about the win, death matches every time and then we wonder why the guys we train with are hurt and have to have that operation or whatever it's because they just go 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 um thinking that that's the idea and it's it's it is it is i'm not going to lie but it's also about having a well-rounded game of submissions and escapes so that when you're grappling with somebody they can't get you but you can get them and, and that's what we're trying to do. And then, then the reverse side of that, though, is if you work too much on your uh, on your defense and not enough on your offense, then you become a guy that just never gets caught but never submits anybody. And that, I'm not saying that either. But I'm just saying that the most important thing is your defense first uh, and then with your offense. And so what I do personally is as uh, as an older man, and I do not want to get hurt, man, that, that's my, that's, that is my enemy. I don't want to go to class and get hurt. So uh, one time a week, I go in my mind, I go, okay, today's the day I kick everybody's ass. I'm going, I don't give you credit if you're a white belt, blue belt, whatever, you're getting tapped out and I try to go for it. But most of the time it's like, oh, I just want to train light, have a fun time, not get hurt. And it, it works out great for me because I don't get injured too often, you know, and I, and, and, and I always, I want to say this, I feel like I'm rambling on, but I'm just excited as you can tell. What? One of the things that I always do when I go to class without fail is before I start grappling, I say to myself, this could be the day that you get injured. I keep injuring in the, forefront, in the 
forefront of my mind. And because, uh, you know, the, it seems like the times you get hurt was when you weren't prepared for that. And you weren't thinking you were going to get hurt. Right. You don't yeah. think about those things. Totally. But in your mind, I go, today's the day that I could be hurt. And when I think that, then I always protect myself at all times because it's just real easy for someone to accidentally hurt you or do something. And I'm always thinking of myself protecting myself. And secondly, I'm always protecting my partner. If we were rolling and I'm doing something, I would never do anything that requires me to go berserk on somebody where I, I do something and just you just like I'm not thinking of any consequences because I don't want to injure my partner because I'll tell you what, it's really embarrassing when you're a black belt and you, you hurt somebody <laughs> and you know they look at you, why did you hurt me like that? Oh, uh, you know, sorry, didn't mean to, but I just feel it's up to me to protect my partner too. Not everybody thinks that. They could care less in the school if they yeah. hurt their partner. They just want to win. And man, then they wonder why this guy doesn't come back and why he had to have, you know, had to have surgery. Oh, it's just genetic weakness, you know. And it's like they practice the Klingonian way <laughs> of jiu-jitsu, right? You got to yeah. kill the guy in front of you to get his belt, and that's not the case at all. And there's a lot of people that'll disagree with me on that because they don't. You know, they'll disagree with me on a lot of things, but I find it works great, and it works for me, and it works for my students. And I know that in my school we have very limited injuries, knock on wood, and uh, people aren't getting hurt. And it's great for me as a business owner, but it's also great for me as an instructor because it, it means I'm teaching them the right way to do jujitsu. Uh, and really, I'm teaching them the right way to do jujitsu because we always have to assume that everybody is bigger and stronger than us. That, yeah. That's what I try to preach. And I know that when we go to tournaments, they're in our weight class, they're in our belt rank. And, and that's the difference between the tournament idea and the self-defense idea. We in self-defense always assume everybody's bigger and stronger. Well, when you do that, you're not going to have your way necessarily with a big, huge guy. And if so, they need to go to your school and roll with you. You know, this 130-pound killer, go, I'll kill everybody, I'll tap everybody. And then he wonders why he just got squanched by you or me and can't move. Well, what are you going to do now, dude, when you're going against a big, huge biker guy out on the street who's so strong and wants to kill you? You're, you know, you might have some trouble there. Yeah. And so we want to, we want to protect. We want to, I always try to come from that attitude of, of, that we're, everybody's bigger and stronger. And when you do that, the technique sets in, and then it doesn't matter that you're smaller or bigger or whatever. And I, I think kind of being bigger is, might be a detriment. I don't know. You tell me. It, it could be a detriment sometimes because we want to rely on bigness. Well, it, that's not. How do you teach that to a 130-pound, 110-pound girl? Yeah, it can you know, be a detriment uh, if you if you ref, if you're big and you refuse to use technique or be technical or or uh, refuse to put yourself in the bad spots. Um, it definitely can be a def detriment to your game. Yeah, like I said, you're gonna get to, if you stay in jujitsu and you're gonna get to be seventy, you're gonna need your defense, man. You're gonna need that because you're not gonna be the same kind of guy. And Professor Sauer always tells me he. I, I don't know. He's must have told me this 10 times that he goes to Brazil and he sees black belts. They get their black belt and then they get to be about middle age, you know, 46, getting on there to 50. And then they suddenly retire from jujitsu. Yeah. And they retire from yeah. jujitsu because that that purple belt, that 21 year old purple belt is handing him his ass and and they get frustrated. Like, how come this doesn't work? This, you know, how come they're not as good anymore? Well, it's because you just you're. You're having this attitude of I have to submit everybody all the time, and that's not really the case. It's get your defense good, and then those submissions will come. 
not the other way around, man. I think one of the most uh, eye-opening stories that I heard Professor or Master Sauer tell was uh, about how when he got his black belt, there was about 30 other uh, people that received their black belts at the same time. And he said mm-hmm. out of those 30, he's the he's the only one still actively training and, and teaching uh, nowadays. So they all quit. They all quit. And it's... It's too bad because you can train when you're 70 or 80. I'm telling you, I've seen it. And uh, I want to be there. I don't want to have to retire. I don't want to retire. And I don't want people to go, oh, wow, you know, he, he sucks as a black belt. I, I, if I'm 70 and you can't get me, okay, I'll take that. Yeah. You know, you're this testosterone, you know, purple belt 21-year-old kid going, ah, I, I killed the master today. Well, you know, bring that on because you're going to have some trouble, man. I'm going to frustrate you at every turn. And then when I see my time, I'm going to get you. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. Professor so, Sauer called. Oh, uh, sorry to interrupt you. Jason. No problem. Professor, Professor, I always call him Professor. If I were talking to him now, he's my professor, right? Yeah. And he's not, he's not a professor. He's the professor. That's what we call him. And Master Sauer talks about the mouse trap. You know, do you see a mouse trap chasing after the mice? Mm-hmm. I mean, is it running after them no what you do with the mousetrap is you set it in the corner and put some cheese in it and you just leave it there and pretty soon the mouse comes along and he looks and goes oh this looks easy wow this is a free meal and he goes and smells the cheese and then he goes and just takes a bite and then all of a sudden the trap shuts on him and uh, when you're an older guy you're going to need to be a mousetrap instead of you know having this attitude that the mousetrap has to chase after the mouse because you'll never catch a mouse man it's that's tough unless you you know lead it in with something and, and that's that's what i think older people need to realize if you're going to do jiu-jitsu when you're old if you're not you're going to be 21 you know if if i were teaching mma and i was saying hey you're a 21 year old in a fight i would just teach you how to go beat people up and go hard and and because i'm figuring you're not going to be around uh in about five or six years you know you're going to get hurt and and it, I'm just, I'm actually, I'm joking about that. But, but if if you're going to be a master of jujitsu, you have to learn those fundamentals and your defense, uh, and get those awesome. And then you will have no problem in jujitsu that you can do it for the rest of your life without getting hurt. Yeah, and that's the goal. We want everybody to be able to train the the rest of their life. And uh, I think the ultimate goal for people shouldn't be uh, what belt they're going to get, or or necessarily just making it to black belt. It should be a uh, striving for uh, ultimate mastery, you know, like complete mastery of jiu-jitsu, which you and I both know none of us are ever going to attain, no matter how long we train. But I think that should be the goal instead of placing so much weight on uh, what color belt we are and how many people's butts we can kick. Yeah, well, you're going to be a black belt the longest, so don't worry, you know, just just get good. And that black belt will show up, and then you'll be the, a black belt the rest of the guy that retires because everybody's handing it to you. Right. What did you learn in jiu-jitsu? You didn't learn anything, man. You didn't learn jiu-jitsu. You just learned how to muscle people around and submit them. That's that's not jiu-jitsu. So one uh, last thing I wanted to touch on here. Uh, I appreciate you staying on here for so long. I mean, this is yeah. all awesome stuff for people to to hear hopefully some, some people get some good little gems to take away and and actually start applying some of the things we've been talking about um how do you help a student 
I have a lot of students ask, a lot of people message me on Facebook and uh, about how to approach uh, ending up in a training plateau to just where they feel stagnant, like they're not getting any better. Uh, what would your advice be to someone who's dealing with that? Well, welcome to jujitsu, my friend, <laughs> because uh, I have, I know as well as you do that plateaus are going to happen. I mean, you're, you're going to have those happen to you. And I always get excited when I hit a plateau. Personally, it's a psychological thing. And plateaus, I think, I believe, typically mean that something in your fundamentals is wrong. And you can see this when you're a like a purple belt and you just roll with white belts all the time. You're picking white belts to roll with. And you're, you can get away with doing crappy things that aren't really going to work on higher belts. That what happens is you don't, you don't, uh, you don't uh, see that that's happening and you, you don't have the finest technique. So you're just getting away with stuff. And then you go against somebody who's a higher belt and holy crud. And then you're frustrated like, man, how come I'm not really improving, uh, especially against guys your own belt level? And if you're doing fundamentals right, if you look back and go, what, what are, are my fundamentals right? When I hit a plateau, um, and me personally, and I do, man, I hit a plateau. It's like, man, I'm not, I need to get better here. I always celebrate it because I, and for some weird reason, I know that I'm about to make a jump up. But we always sit as a plateau like, oh, I'm down. Your brain is just rearranging things, and you're going to jump up, I assure you. If you'll just come to class, keep working, and work on those fundamentals, you will see that progress. You will see this. But what they're really saying is, oh, I can't sub people as fast as I want to. And, uh, you know, that's not really how jiu-jitsu works. You know, you're sometimes – I always joke and say sometimes you're the dog, and sometimes you're the fire hydrant when you train. <laughs> Definitely. And when you're the fire hydrant, you just go, hey, what, are, what's, what am I doing? i got to look at my game. But I always think, man, that's exciting. I'm plateauing right now. I know I'm going to jump up. And you know what? I always do. I always do. Why? Because I come to class and I, I try to – I never take white belts for granted. I do everything perfectly against a white belt. And I always, I always yell at myself if I do something that just I got away with it. You know, you get away with it. Oh, I always go, no, that wasn't good technique. I'm constantly judging myself. And uh, uh, plateaus are going to happen. Deal with it. That's the ego thing. You know, quit trying to win all the time. Try to get better, and you will see it's going to happen. But it's, ah, it's a very, it beats you, man. Jiu-jitsu beats you down. It rips out your ego. And and yeah. uh, that's that's why you see a lot of black belts who are very humble people. They know at any time they could get tapped out, even at a black belt level. They don't want to admit it, but you know, they're, it, it's the way it is. So. Uh, rejoice in your plateaus, man. Just keep coming to class. Shut up and keep training. Get tapped out then. Work a position. Yeah, and I find a lot of times uh, people that are in plateaus, it's a lot of times because they've, uh, they're trying too hard to, to make a certain area of their game work and they're, they're missing all the other options that are staring them in the face. They kind of get locked into a certain uh, mindset about what they need to accomplish during the role. And... Uh, it, it kind of takes away the, the freedom of the creativity and things that we have when we are rolling. And I, I see that uh, put people in plateaus a lot of times. Yeah. They don't, they think about going through things too much instead of going around things. You know, exactly. when you hit, when you come to something, somebody stopping you, think about going around it or 
uh, changing something and going somewhere else rather than no way, dude, you're not stopping me from this. I'm going to get this move. You are, and then they're wondering, they're frustrated because wow, a guy kind of figured you out. You know, he's been grappling with you for a long time and he knows all the things you're going to do and you're not growing. And maybe you're a little, um, you're lazy on your technique. Like I said, your fundamentals aren't there. And then he sweeps you or he, he, he taps you and, and it, it's, uh, it's a very humbling experience. I, I joke some, you know, I haven't said this very often, but uh, jiu-jitsu is like a very beautiful, stunningly beautiful woman. And, you know, you see her and you go, wow, she is so beautiful. And then she becomes your girlfriend. And then after a while, you start to take her for granted. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I don't need to go see her. I don't need to talk to her. I don't need to call her. And then one day she hits you with a frying pan. And that kind of sums it up and you uh, for you that don't take jiu-jitsu for granted, man. Don't Don't say, oh, I've got... I've got it mastered. I am so good at jujitsu. No, you're not good at jujitsu. You're you're lucky that uh, you've made it this far in jujitsu, and you're you're gonna you're gonna have more problems. So treat it with respect and treat it like it's the wonderful thing it is, and just know that there are going to be issues. But don't get, you know you don't 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 mistreat it where you, you you take it for granted and then it hits you with a frying pan, and that means you're gonna get submitted. I always tell everybody you come up with the best analogies related to jiu-jitsu. <laughs> well, again, you know, Master Sauer has these awesome analogies, and I just steal from him. I just take his stuff, or I, I make up my own, but it's in the vein of what he teaches, so I'm very lucky about that. So. Yeah, analogies are great to help people uh, remember these principles. And also, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people, we talked about 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu a little bit earlier, and a lot of people... Uh, bash on Eddie Bravo for naming all the techniques and giving them these crazy names but man it sure makes it so people remember it it sure it sure makes it easier for his students to learn the the positions and uh kind of creates a whole system out of it so I have to give him props props for that it's very smart try that in your kids class just name whatever moves name oh it, yeah know. yeah I do I that. Was... they love it I was just teaching my kids class the other day and I stopped everybody and I brought them over because I felt like people were passing the guard too easy. And I started talking about, hey, you need to get your octopus. I was telling this to the kids, get your octopus tentacles. And, and, and I was showing them the hooks and everything like that and demonstrating, yeah, see, you get your tentacles involved. And, and then I brought them back again and I, I named this, uh, you know, where you put your foot on their biceps and stuff. Right. And I needed a name and I just off the cuff of my head, I just joke and going, okay, we're going to call this trick or treat. And they were like, trick or treat, what does that mean? And I go, smell my feet. And then I was putting my feet in that guy's face and on his shoulders and everything like that. So you got uh, just showing them. And then they went out and started doing it. And it was really cool. You know, and I would yell, trick or treat, you yeah. know. And the kids would yell, smell my feet. But they, would, <laughs> they would do it. And it's, uh, you know, it, the, that really works good. Although my names are really stupid. He has cool names, Eddie Bravo does. I have stupid names and people laugh at me. But, hey, man, the kids remember it and the adults do too. So, you want to you know what's uh, you want to know what's funny. You say they have stupid names, but I was watching a documentary about. Uh, you ever seen those people that do the memory competitions where they have to memorize things? Yes. And they'll literally like memorize a whole book word for word and recite it back. And one yes. of the techniques they use is to uh, is a word association. And they said usually the most silly, stupid, or a lot of times most vulgar association they can make, uh, for whatever reason, it helps you remember it better. So, I think maybe absolutely. I think I think maybe even the sillier the name, the better. 
Well, let me say this just real fast. Uh, Horion Gracie, way back in 1997 or something like that, I don't know, he and Hoist were standing there at a seminar that I was attending, and there was like 90 people in the seminar. And I don't know what they were doing, but they were working on name association, trying to get everybody's names. It was something that they were doing at the time. And they go, okay, we're going. I want you to tell us your name, and we're going to walk around, and you tell us your name, and we're going to come back, and we're going to tell you your name. And there were 90 people in the room. And I, you know, I told them my name's Keith and then went on to this person and then they started over and they walked around and they were telling us our name and they came to my name and they said my name. And I was like, holy crud, man. And I know they were playing that word association game. I, I don't want to know what they associated with, but they were doing that. And then I, I picked up on that and I've always understand that naming things, no matter how stupid and a lot of my techniques are named something stupid. Simply because if we're at a tournament, I can say that stupid name and nobody's going to know what I'm saying. Yeah, I use another, it as a another benefit as a, as a tournament device, and it, it it just works great. My students learn rather quickly uh, by that. Now, Keith, um, are you open to having visitors at your academy? I know some places can be a little weird about that, but uh, you allow drop-ins from out of town and, and locally and. And if you do, do you charge people for that or you just let them come in and, and have a good time? Well, uh, I love drop-ins. If you're a cool guy, come in. Cool gal, come in. If you're a jerk, nah, I don't like drop-ins. But we just want nice people. And you can come in and beat up on my guys all you want. If you're that good and you can tap them out, I love it. Because I want them to have um, other body types to grapple with. So I really enjoy it when other people come in. And I don't care either way. My ego does not. I've had guys come in and just kill my guys but most of the time like 80 90 percent of the time my guys do great against visitors and i have no problem with it and i can see other schools do because they don't want their students beat up and then you go oh my instructor isn't teaching me something that's i mean this guy's traveling for a reason right come in and tune everybody up it's good for everybody and i do charge a drop-in fee i i charge just 15 bucks but uh i don't necessarily give i spend a you know 20 plus years learning jujitsu, I'm not going to give it away for free. So, you know, I got a business to run. So if you're coming into my school, it's going to cost you 15 bucks to come in, but you're going to have a great time and we're not going to get you hurt. And I tell you, 99% of the time, James, if you come in, drop in at my school, you're going to leave. You are going to leave as a brother or sister of our school. I cannot believe how many people have, I still keep in contact with who visited my school. They've become a brother of our school. And they always come back because they know that they are completely welcome and they're treated with the utmost respect. And, and they just love that because a lot of times they may not even get it at their own school. So yeah, uh, the brotherhood is big at our school. We just we just want guys to come in and try and kick our ass. If you think you can, come and do it. And if you can, <laughs> great. It's good for us. It's a, great, uh, it's a great feeling, though, to have that kind of uh, reputation in the community where people do come in and, and become a part of your extended family. Yeah, but Boise, Idaho isn't necessarily a destination that too many people come to. So hey. if I lived in Vegas, it would be a lot easier. But uh, well, I'm going to yeah. tell everybody right now, uh, I was there a few months back, and it's beautiful. I, I definitely encourage anybody to go there. And, and uh, Keith, you have a a beautiful academy one of the nicer academies i've been to in all my travels so i definitely Thank encourage you. uh encourage everybody to come there and i have I, I have one last uh one last question for you is uh when are you going to come out and visit my academy well that you gotta 
gotta invite me out, bro. Gotta, so do I gotta do I gotta I, open up the checkbook? <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that after we uh -huh. get off of this. I would love to get. It's always been on my. I gotta come out to James's place and and uh, uh, so and sometimes I'm over there in Seattle too, you know. So uh, I definitely want to come over there. Uh, I know you've come to my school, and I totally appreciate that. And we're part of the uh, Black Belt Chain Reaction. Uh, we're which I think is really cool because we are black belts from different associations that have all banded together as friends to do seminars. So it's really cool when all of us can go do a seminar somewhere uh, together from a different association. You know, Classy Grappler, Pete Wilhelm, uh, Ari Nazan is part of it as well. And uh, we just always have a freaking awesome time when we're together. And that's so much fun in jiu-jitsu. But uh, I do owe you time to come out to your school. and I, I definitely I, want to. You know, I just find it funny that you've been to my house, but you haven't been to my academy. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Uh-huh. You even saw the, the show you roll vault. Oh, my God. The show you roll vault. He's got like 9,000 show you rolls. It's <laughs> awesome. It's like, it's creepy, kind of, but awesome at the same time, man, that you can have so many geese. And that is, um, you know, they're just so cool, too, man. Everybody has their, I, Everybody has their addictions, right? And I guess show your role is a pretty good addition compared to like heroin or something like that. So Definitely. if that's what you if that's what you like, man, and you you got a great uh, great geek collection. So good for you, dude. Well, Keith, I know you're a busy man just like myself, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time tonight to come on and and be my guest here and get this uh, podcast off to the right start. Well, I wish you luck. I have lots of friends that uh, have been talking to me about, hey, can I get on James' podcast too? And I said, I'll talk to James. So you're in, you will have no trouble getting awesome black belts to do interviews with, my friend. And I'm just thankful that you let me be the very first one. So yes, sir. thank you, sir. Well, it's an honor to have you on here. And uh, you have a great evening and, should we say, happy holidays, happy non-denominational -de uh, or, or can we say Merry Christmas? <laughs> um, Merry Christmas and a uh, Happy New Year. All right, there you go. <laughs> Merry Christmas, brother. Thanks for being on. You bet. Thank you, James.